again, my name is Larry, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Larry. And uh, having to uh, pick a favorite part of this book for me is uh, its kind of like having a gardener wanting to pick his favorite flower in his garden. Because over a period of time, there's not one thing in that book that you read that doesn't apply to your life today. And uh, coming to see you guys uh, is one of those things that, that I personally look forward to. Uh, and I came across three things that kind of reminded me of what we're doing today. And we've got some new folks with us. And hopefully that something will happen to them today called identification. And one of those things that I read was in a vision for you. And it said he had a desperate desire to stop, but he saw no way out. For he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape, painfully aware of being somehow abnormal. Right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, he gets it right to the point, doesn't he? You know? The band did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic, which seems to be the baffling part of our malady here, is that... For so long, so many of us, like myself and some folks in this room, we thought that it was just a matter of not drinking. That if we wouldn't drink, if we stopped drinking, we would be all right. And what happens to the alcoholic of our type? Given any reasonable excuse, there's some folks that drink just like us, and they can get a bad liver and they can stop. They can get threatened with another jail sentence, and they stop. They can get threatened to be kicked out of the house by her, and they stop. But not so with the alcoholic of our type. Alcoholics of our type, the only thing that sobriety ever squeezes out of my mind after a period of days or weeks is that idea that drove me mad, which was, this time it's going to be different. I've got to find a way to keep this stuff in my life if it's the last thing that I do. And for alcoholics of our type, Sobriety drives us to drink time and time and time again. And we stay sober as long as we can, and we stay drunk as long as we can, and there's never anything in between. And we sit in these rooms, and we hear folks seemingly say, 30 days ago I was on the streets of Los Angeles. Now I'm the president of the Bank of America. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, my God, if I just stop drinking, you know, maybe I'll be blessed as thou. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we begin to hear these things in Alcoholics Anonymous at an early age in our sobriety, and this is almost as if with it, that if we sit here, some kind of magic wand is going to come over us <laughs> and just move us toward the right job, and you know, just shield us from life little bullets and, you know, and just put us in this cocoon, you know what I mean? And what happens is that uh, what AA is going to do to you, it's going to put you smack dab in the middle of life. The very thing you've been running from, <laughs> it's going to put you smack dab in the middle of life and you better have a program and you better find a power and you better tap into this thing because there is no middle of the road answer. 
if there was, we'd be all gathered up there tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? I'm the type of guy that sits in these meetings, and when I hear the guy reading says that science may one day accomplish this, but he hasn't done so yet, I'm back there going, God, are they still looking? <laughs> I'm still holding out hope, you know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't too long ago we heard that there was a cure for alcoholism in Switzerland, and it comes in the form of a pill, Right? My first thought is I wondered what two would do. You know? <laughs> Can you crush them up maybe? Or something, you know? <clears throat> Which makes that first step so difficult to the alcoholic of our type. You know, Admit that we were powerless over alcohol. I know what you're getting at. I know what you're getting at. You want me to admit that I'm an alcoholic and that I can't drink anymore. I, I know what you're getting at. You say 24 hours a day at a time, but I know you mean forever. I'm a smart guy. You know, I'm, I'm in AA. I've worked it so well, you know. And you see, I can't imagine life without it. I can't imagine life without alcohol. Oh, yeah, I can I, you know, I... We've been forced to stop by incarceration. I mean, there's been times that sometimes we, we stop just to get a fresh drunk going again, you know, and get that, get that old shit out, you know what I mean? But the idea of living without alcohol, you've got to be kidding. I mean, you know, we've got the Christmas coming up and shit, you know, you know what I mean? But there comes a time in every alcoholic's life, and um, which... If I, if I have any prayer for any new person, I, I don't hope that you become desperate or anything like that. I, I hope you run out of hope. Because there comes a time in every alcoholic's life that there just isn't any other place to go. There comes a time in every alcoholic's life when you buy the idea of not drinking. You're whipped and you begin to ponder that idea. And you can't. And then we start on what our book calls, like Dr. Bob, that frightful drinking, where everything in you wants to stop. You, you, you bought the idea, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of the faces. I'm tired of the memories. I'm tired of hurting people. I know it's happened to me physically. I don't want to go to any more. I know. And yet you can't stop. Where do you go when you're like that? Where do you go when you feel that different? That leads me to our, our co-founder. Which I had. Here we go. And if you, some of you guys remembered Bill's little flight to the, the hospital. And his childhood friend came up there and they started taking him through these 12 proposals. And something happened to Bill in that bed. And... Uh, he had this profound experience after going through the steps. He didn't, well, didn't lay in there full of, you know, dextrose and shit. You know, his buddy came up to him and took him through the steps as they were at that time. He talked about his powerlessness. He talked about maybe you should come to believe in something. You know, he come to believe in looking at some of your defects and, and some of the people you've harmed. He, he was bringing them through these proposals. And Bill laid in that town's hospital and got that wind through the window and got this 
light and this, this spiritual uplift that lasted all of 15 seconds. You know what I mean? And for years I used to think that that was the spiritual experience that was supposed to happen to me and you as a result of these steps. And then what happens to me and you as we stay sober and we begin to read this book, we come across two paragraphs down. And I love this. This is after the wind through the window. While I lay in the hospital bed, just seconds afterwards, while I lay in the hospital bed, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. And they, in turn, might help others. Now, how about that? Tell me if that ain't the spiritual experience. I believe for me, that's what he was hoping would happen to me as a result of these steps. What happened to him immediately, I used to think, okay, it was the blinding. What happened to him immediately was the idea of working with others. That's what happened immediately. It wasn't the wind through the window. He immediately got that thought of working with others and carrying this message, perpetuating this gift. And for folks like me and you, we don't get that our first day of sober. We don't get nothing. We are, we are restless and irritable, discontented, and kind of pissed off we wound up here, really. You know what I mean? But the idea of helping others within our first 30 seconds of sobriety, it takes me, we are the educational variety. That's what happens over a long period of time, is that eventually you know that that's the thing that's going to keep you sober. That it ain't going to be the good job and the good wife and the good education. And those things will come to all who work for it. You don't have to come to AA. It just takes hard work and good fortune. <laughs> That's all. But the thing that he's hoping happens to you is not that you'll get sober. We've seen folks get sober by the millions and they disappear. What he's hoping happens to you is that you will be propelled to perpetuate this gift. He doesn't need any more cheerleaders. <laughs> he needs workers. He needs people to carry this message. Those two guys talking to that man on the bed, what do you think they're talking about? Hey, you need to work more overtime, pal. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't think that's what's going on in that picture. <laughs> He's hoping you will perpetuate. What is our primary purpose? To stay sober and carry this message. What does the other book tell us? Seek ye first the kingdom. Put all your efforts. My sponsor tells me, Larry, put all your efforts into staying sober, son, and the rest of your life will take care of itself. And the more you pecker around with your personal life, the least time you'll spend in AA. You put all your eggs in here. And your personal life will take care of itself. The miracle of our life, and some of the folks in here, and hopefully some of our new friends, is that you will experience one day that your search is over. That everything you need to make you happy will be given to you by the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Anything that hinders that happiness will be given to you by the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. The alcoholic's great search is over. You don't have to go anywhere else to get anything else. It all happens here. 
Men like me and you, women like me and you, we all finally found a place where we can safely grow up. And that's what it's all about. We are immature. It's not that we're alcoholic and we got alcoholic. We're immature, for God's sakes, you know? Listen to us. Give me that book. That's my chair. Give me that coffee. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I want to be second chair, you know? We're immature. You know what I mean? We are people who have very little character. Our first instinct isn't to volunteer for shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll do it. That's a good... My first... I got three answers to anybody that ever asked me anything to do. I can't, I won't, and why? That's my first instincts, man. And what happens to people in Alcoholics Anonymous like us is that we get... The book says we're undisciplined. What does our 10th step in the 12 and 12 talk about? Between 91 and 93, you little book buggers, I urge you to investigate the pages 91 to 93 in your 12 and 12 on step 10 because they will talk about the disciplines. Not maintenance step. The disciplines that you practice every day and you try to adhere to. You practice those disciplines and you watch yourself grow. You take care of your meetings and your commitments in your home group, and you'll eventually be able to take that same respect that you have for this atmosphere, you begin to take it to your work atmosphere, your relationship atmosphere, and everywhere you go. You won't be good just for an hour and a half. None of that crap. You'll take it with you. See, because that's where the real AA member shines. Not in here. Everybody can be good for an hour and a half when somebody's watching. Right, Paul? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Me too. Me too, man. You know, under the guise of a sponsor, I'm... You know what I mean? As soon as he gets out of town, I'm... You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, just, just a matter of seconds, you know what I mean? So, uh, that's what this... And you know, what you're like when you're away from us has everything to do with type of AA member you are without telling anybody you are. What do you like on that road? What do you like at the office? What do you like at home? That's the AA member. You're a trusted servant. What does that mean? That you're running around with a book? No. You're a trusted servant. That means God's hoping He can trust you to carry this message. He's hoping you'll be that AA member without anybody watching over you. He's trusting you with these principles, you know. And then what happens to folks like me and you eventually? And this is this is us. Because since I met you guys a year ago, and I ran into you in Pasadena, I can't wait to see you, you see. In our home group on Monday night, we got about 30 people that are greeters because we don't know what the hell to do with them. <laughs> Greet people, you know what I mean? We got a guy with one arm greeting people. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just greet. Now, what happens to you is, is when you're new, we stick you in that greeting line. And what happens to people like me who go through that greeting line, and I've got one of the gentlemen with me today, Michael is that you see him in that greeting line and you come across him with his 15 days. And then as the months go past, you pass him by in two months and you don't have a t-shirt on anymore, he's got a button shirt. 
And he's no longer after your fourth month of passing through that line. He's no longer looking. He's looking up when he's shaking your hand. Around five or six months after he's getting through his inventory, the guy's kind of got that shine in his eyes. Got a little spark in him. Come around eight or nine months, it's a whole different guy. And all you've done is <clears throat> pass by. And I come and see you guys, Pasadena or wherever you bandits will have me. <laughs> and I can't help but recognize this paragraph. Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover. You can't deny your eyes. You can get fooled by a tape. And you can get overcome with hearsay. But you can't deny your eyes. To see them help others. To watch loneliness vanish. To see a fellowship grow about you. To have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. How about that? How about that? But look where you are when you're reading this. Right, Andre? Look where you are. He knows what I'm talking about. They put this in a place way after the steps. You don't come here and, you know, you wish people would vanish is what you would do. You know what I mean? But these put these little things in a certain place hoping that these happen to you. You guys are the highlight of my day. I'm here because I have nothing better to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I hope I never do. I hope I never have anything more important than being around people of Alcoholics Anonymous. The reason why I like being around you guys is I become what I'm around. And I'd rather be around a group of folks who are enthusiastic about this way of life and help fan that fire than be like some of the old timers in some of these meetings who are trying to talk newcomers out of doing shit. You don't need to do that. You're going way too many meetings. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I had a guy come up to me I shared at that San Pedro meeting last night. Ten years sober. He says, Larry, he says, uh, I, I want what you have. And no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You may want to feel like I do, but you don't want what I have. No, I, I, I want what you have. And I said, well, I said, what seems to be going? He says, A don't work for me. I said, what would you say? He says, A don't work for me. I said, young man, you don't seem to understand. It don't work for me either. It doesn't work for Caesar. It doesn't work for Hector. It doesn't work for Paul. We work for it. That's right. You need to get your head around that. This isn't a place where you come and get. The only thing you're going to get is you're going to be divinely inconvenienced for the rest of your life. <laughs> we have to do the uncomfortable to get comfortable. And so for those folks who are new here tonight, I hope you stay around long enough for you to become part of the miracle that you wish happens to you. And you know how that happens? Is you begin to serve the thing you want so much from. I used to do that third step prayer like this. Okay, I'm yours. What are you going to do for me? 
throw it back down and you get your ass to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> that third step surrender is all about, it's like punching in at work. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There's work to be done here, and that's why we're sober. So I, I, I can't thank you guys enough for having me come down here, and, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thank you very much. Um, our first tradition talks about our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And when I personally think about the traditions, I don't think about Akron or New York. I think about my home group. And unity to me isn't how many people you can fit in a room. That's chaos. <laughs> unity... Is how many people you can get in that room to do the same thing. Now, one of the most powerful things about your home group here, and God bless you guys for doing this, is all through the night, no matter who talked, they all said the same thing. And what that does for a group like mine and yours is that no matter who that newcomer talks to, He's going to get the same answer. He, no matter if he goes, DeAndre, you with the bad haircut. <laughs> no, matter, no matter who he goes to, he's going to get the same program of action. You know, That speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. He can't claim difference no more. You know what I mean? And when, you were, when DeAndre was sharing about our commitment to service, hang on for a minute. Uh, not too long ago, President Obama was presenting Congressional Medal of Honors to CM War Veterans. And one of the guys was Brian Anderson. And he gave him a Medal of Honor. And Brian's story was this, that in Vietnam, he caught a bomb in front of him and it blew off both of his legs. And his buddy was 20 yards away. And he seen his buddy laying down. And he crawled over to his buddy. And a grenade came in. And Brian caught it. And went to throw it away. And the grenade exploded his arm off. But he saved his buddy's life. And he's left with a half a body and one arm. And the reporter at the end of the ceremonies interviewed him said, Brian... After all you've been through, do you have any regrets? Do you have any regrets whatsoever? And he looked the reporter in the eye, like we looked at each other tonight, and he says, I've lost two legs and an arm to a country that I love. If they want my good arm, they can have it. You guys gave me my life. Alcoholics Anonymous gave us your lives. If they want it, they can have it. That's the commitment of service. We are here not to give fear to ourselves, to this thing that's saving our life. Love and service. And thank you guys for having me.
Gary for leading the meeting. Petey, phoneless announcement. My name is Peter. I'm an alcoholic.